morning, everyone. Um, I'm Julia Borston from CNBC, and it's so great to be back at the Upfront Summit. Um, and I'm so happy to get a chance to interview Deborah Lee. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this morning. Oh, no, I'm excited. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so Deborah's had a really phenomenal career. After 13 years running BET, retired in 2018. Since then, has served on a number of boards, currently on the boards um, of Marriott, Burberry, and AT&T. You have your AT&T board meeting tomorrow. That's right, going <laughs> to Dallas. And before your board meeting, um, also previously uh, were on the boards of Revlon and Twitter. Um, the topic of this conversation is about how to get more women and diversity into the C-suite, particularly in the media business. But first, I thought it would be valuable as sort of a scene setter to explain what you've been doing since you left, be, focusing on since you left BET. This is a project you've been working on mm -hmm. um, for 10 years, Leading Women Defined. What is this and what are your goals there? Uh, Leading Women Defined is a conference I started. Uh, this will be our 11th year. I started it when I was at BET and then when I stepped down from BET two years ago, I took it with me. And I started it because I just had the feeling that women as they moved up on the corporate ladder or moved higher in any industry that they needed continued support that it got lonelier because there were fewer women and i wanted to get the most powerful women of color i knew together and talk about issues and you know if there were uh, calls to action that we wanted to make this was during the obama Obama administration, so one of my goals was to support uh, President Obama. Uh, but I said, let's get together once a year. Um, I try to keep it under 200, so it's not, um, it's by invitation only. Uh, but we talk about everything from what's going on in Haiti to um, getting out the vote to elder care. Uh, to financial planning and how, what happens if you have relatives that aren't as successful as you are. Uh, how do we raise our black boys? Uh, last year we had uh, Beth Ann Hardison, uh, who's in the fashion industry, former model, interview Iman. So I try to pair up women that know each other, and it's really turned into something magical. The women really look forward to it every year. Uh, they nominate other women to come, women I don't know, ask if they can come. Um, so it's really my passion project, and it's turned into something much more important than I ever thought. And a couple of businesses have come out of the conference. We're talking about creating a fund for tech uh, to support uh, women of color in tech maybe a content um, fund. So we're, we're talking about doing different things, but the magic comes in getting these uh, successful women together for two and a half days. Michelle Obama has been twice, once when she was in the White House and she had such a good time, she said, invite me when I get out of the White House. Uh, Hillary Clinton came on Super Tuesday when she was running, when we had it down in Miami. Um, you know, Maxwell has been, I mean, it's a wide assortment. Well, so if you do create a fund, perhaps there's some potential LPs yeah, in the audience. I would would love that. If you all uh, know of anyone, let me know. Uh, because it is important, and uh, the previous panel touched on it. It's important to invest in women and people of color. Now, what's interesting is, you know, if you look at the Fortune 500 list last year, there was a record number of female CEOs in the Fortune 500 list, and it was 33. Not 33 percent, it right. was 33. Less than 7 percent of the CEOs on the uh, 2019 Fortune 500 list were female. The number of women of color is so low, I think it was one or two, mm -hmm. 
and we just had the first black C female CEO back on the list since Ursula Jer uh, Burns um, stepped down as right. CEO of Xerox. So the, the numbers, especially of women of color, are just so low, it's, it's almost shocking. Right. It is shocking. It is shocking. So um, what's striking to me about those numbers is that while you look at the number of women and, and diversity in leadership, it does not match with financial incentives. Statistically, companies that have female CEOs, female CFOs, they have better financial performance. Right. Diversity on boards is statistically proven right. to um, generate higher returns. Companies sell um, or go public faster if they have um, a woman at the helm. So it seems like there's a chasm that needs to be bridged between what the right thing is to do for business and mm -hmm. what's actually happening. Um, let's go back to your experience running BET, the world changed a lot in your 13 years running that company right. and continues to change, but what was your experience being a very rare female CEO of color running that company? Um, it, it was, I don't know how to describe it. Um, it was, it was um, interesting. Um, I've been on boards for over 20 years, so before I was CEO of BET, I was COO for 10 years, so I was pretty much still running the company then. Bob Johnson, the founder, was, was uh, starting other ventures and, and doing things even though he's still at the company. Um, so I came from this kind of protected area, you know, we were all... 95% uh, uh, African-American company. So race wasn't on the table or didn't feel like it was on the table. So it was surprising to me when I first realized that being a female was an issue. And that wasn't until I was appointed as COO. And all the women in the company kept coming up in the hallways, giving me high fives and saying they never thought anything like that would happen and how proud they were of me. I got a lot of media attention. And so I knew there were fewer women executives at BET than male executives, but I never thought being a female was a, a hindrance to being a CEO. I never. Uh, strive to be a CEO that wasn't in my game plan. I was general counsel for 11 years, so I thought I was as high up at the company as I was going to go. So when I was appointed COO, that was a surprise. You know, I had a big learning curve to do in terms of business issues and uh, areas I didn't know about. And then in the midst of all this, Viacom acquired us in 2001. Um, and I was still COO at the time. So all of a sudden I'm thrown into a bigger company and BET was just a division. Um, but I think even more so as part of Viacom, I started realizing um, that sometimes you're treated different as a woman. I mean, as it, on boards I'm on, I could see that. Uh, I remember being on um, the National Cable Television Association board, which, you know, is an industry board. There are a few women, but the men would come in at dinner and receptions and they talked to each other, and the women were left to talk to the staff people. You know, we weren't ever included in the conversations the way men were. Um, and some of my boards were like that. Other ones are different, where they 
know you as an individual, they get to know your family, what you're interested in, they know I love basketball, you know, so you feel more part of a group. So um, it was a mixed bag, um, you know, being in the music industry, kind of, uh, even though I thought of myself really in the cable TV industry, music, being in the music industry was uh, a little tougher. Uh, because you know, I was given the Icon Music Award by the Recording Academy three years ago. I was the first woman in uh, 15 years, and since I received the award, there hasn't been another woman. And I'm like, I cannot be the only woman <laughs> of note in the music industry when I'm really not in the music industry. I, I ran a network that played music and so it's it's tough and we have to fight harder and you know if you have a family that's that throws another layer onto it because you know I firmly believe no matter how equal a marriage is before you have children once you have children it shifts to the woman and if you're a you know a career woman and want to move up the, the corporate ladder it gets harder um, so you know I have a lot of views on it I've seen a lot of um, women held back. I've seen boards deal with it in different, deal with the issue in different ways. But I, I want to get back to your point that it's proven that the more diversity you have on a board or in a company, the better it does. And you don't run the risk of having these horrible mistakes that some companies have made recently. And I've seen boards um, grow from when I was the only woman or only person of color to now, for example, on the Marriott board, uh, it's 50-50. And the board operates in a much more um, uh, concerted fashion and, and, um, and it focus on the consumers. You mentioned uh, when you joined Revlon's board, you were replacing Martha Stewart right. on that board. And you were one of one or, or one of two? One of two. One of two women right. on that board. Tell us about how you've seen companies benefit from having extra or sort of growing diversity yeah. on their boards. Well, Revlon was really a, a stark example because there were only two of us. Um, as you mentioned, I replaced Martha Stewart when she went off to serve her time, and uh, <laughs> which was an unusual circumstance. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, and. We had all these, you know, older men sitting around the table talking about which lipstick colors they preferred. And it was just like they would pass it around and they would all have uh, opinions about it or the packaging or the feel. And I was like, you know, it would really help this company if there were more women in this room. <laughs> it just, I mean, why don't they see that? And over time, they've, they've um, put more women on, on the board, I think. Uh, Ron Perlman's daughter has taken over as CEO. But, it, and it doesn't only have to be companies that are targeted at women. Um, you know, it's just the more opinions you have and the more diverse opinions you have, uh, the better a company runs. And I've been at uh, certain companies like Twitter, where when I went on the board, they were moving out the uh, board members that had come on as VCs. Um, and when you see a company going through that transition, they're looking for board members with more experience in corporate governance and you know management and all the things you want in a very mature company. So I think it's important, uh, we were talking about this earlier, to one, have more diversity in your 
uh, industry. So there you have more women to pick from to put on boards in the early stage. But then when companies get to a certain point, insist that the companies find board members. You know, we talked about how Goldman has just said they, they won't take a company uh, public unless there's a female on the board. I mean, you, you shouldn't have to do that. But it's we've been talking about this for so long that I understand why they did it. I understand why California. So that know. this California law, um, which mandates that companies have at least one female board member as of this year, and then three female board members in a number of years, do you think these laws are a good thing, or are you concerned about potential backlash? I think they're a good thing, um, because the companies aren't going to do it otherwise. We've been, like I said, we've been talking about it for 30 years. And for a company to have a board now with no women or no people of color, they should be truly embarrassed. Uh, but there's still a lot out there, and I do a lot of speaking on the need for diversity on boards and, and teaching women you know, how to get on a board, because a lot of women or people of color don't even know where you start. Um, and that's one of the things we do at Leading Women Define, kind of educate the women there. If you're interested in a board, uh, this is what you do. Uh, but, you know, it's sad to see that we have to implement either, you know, California or Goldman, but we, we really have to hold these companies' feet to the fire. You're also involved in Time's Up, particularly in the focus right. on boards. <laughs> Explain to me what you're doing at Time's Up and why, why boards? I mean, what is the ripple effect that boards can have in terms of impacting company policies? Well, on Time's Up, when, when the um, organization was first started, they came up with uh, 10 to 11 uh, subgroups. And one of the subgroups that I joined uh, was their uh, corporate board uh, subgroup and they realized that it was important to have women on boards and that we were never going to have equality unless you have women on boards, unless you have women in the C-suite. I mean all the issues that um, Time's Up was investigating, the harassment, the um, you know, uh, revenge, the retribution, the you know, women being um, harassed, those things can't happen if you have women in decision-making roles. You can't have a casting couch if you have women in the C-suite at these studios. I mean, you can, but it, less likely. If men have all the power, they can do whatever they want. So I think Time's Up realized that they couldn't just focus on the executive ranks, they had to focus on uh, the bo corporate boards. And the great thing is, as and I think the prior panel mentioned this, Jim Lowry, if you have, um, diverse people on your board, they're gonna hold you accountable. I'm not gonna sit in a boardroom where I'm the only black woman and not ask why there aren't other black women or why there aren't other people of color. You know, in several boards, I'm on the nominating committee. At Twitter, I chaired the nominating committee. At Kodak, I chaired the nominating committee. Um, and I'm gonna ask the question, when a search firm provides a slate of candidates, you had to have diverse um, people on it. I didn't hire a search firm that was trying to get Twitter's business because they told me there were no black male CEOs. 
I was like, don't you know Ken Chenault? Don't you know Ken Frazier? You know, I was naming people off the top of my head and there, because I had said to them, you know, I'm a black female, it'd be nice to have a black male on the board. Um, so once you have one person in the room or a couple of people, you can hold the company's uh, feet to the fire. Um, you know, when the issues come up, you can make sure they're dealt with in a more equal way. You know, if it's a discrimination suit or um, harassment suit, you can ensure that those kind of things aren't swept under the rug. So boards are really important. You know, boards uh, not only oversee, you know, strategy and uh, financials and all of that, but they also uh, oversee uh, succession planning. You know, one of the questions I ask on the boards all the time is, you know, what do the people coming behind the CEO look like? Are there women? Are there people of color? Uh, I've forced some boards to actually color code. Um, you know, they have charts and squares with who's coming up the ranks. I'm like, well, you, you got to tell me who they are and uh, what they look like so I can ensure that it's going to be a diverse group that's ready to take over. You mentioned um, your work with Time's Up focused on boards, and it seems like you can't talk about CEOs in the media industry or diversity in the media industry without talking about the transformation that we've seen over the past several years with Me Too and Time's Up. Obviously, mm -hmm. we have the Harvey Weinstein trial going on right now. We saw the departure of Les Moonves at CES, Kevin Sujihara at Warner Brothers. Right. Um, and now, I guess the question is, do you think there's gonna be meaningful change continue, I mean, what is the impact of all of that? Yeah, I hope it means there's gonna be meaningful change. I mean, you've seen some of these men replaced by women. Um, you know, it's opened up more opportunity for uh, Anne women. Sarnoff at Warner Brothers. Right, Anne Sarnoff um, and the woman who heads up uh, CBS News uh, who re replaced a man. So you've seen some opportunities. On the other hand, I've heard some men say, and it's really disturbing, that okay, well to prevent this issue, I'm not going to hire any women. You know, I'm going to leave the door open when I have meetings with women. I don't want to be accused of inappropriate behavior, which I think is totally the wrong answer, and I really hope there's not that kind of uh, pushback as a result of this. I hope people, uh, boards and hiring committees and um, CEOs think more about it. Uh, think more about diversity as they're thinking about succession planning. I was honored by the um, Advertising Hall of Fame um, maybe six months ago, and I was very honored. But I looked out at the audience, and I looked at the other people being honored, and it's still a white male industry. And I challenge uh, the CEOs and the leaders in that room, you got to take someone of color or a woman you know, under, uh, under your, um, as a mentor, and not just a mentor to give them advice, but a mentor to make sure they're, they are successful through the system, to make sure they own equity, to make sure they end up as wealthy as you. I mean, if you're not thinking in those terms, if you're just thinking, oh, you know, I need a woman in the room, I need a black person in the room, that's not being a good mentor. That's not changing the playing field. You need people who have power, not just diversity officers, not just, you know, in HR. You need people who have um, 
um, operating authority, can, can um, obtain stock options, can be successful, uh, can be, you know, recruited by other companies. You want to, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, having someone grow up at your company and having them go to another company and, you know, it, it looks good for you. Yeah. That, yeah. So I think there's still not enough of that thinking in um, corporate suites. And when I asked about backlash, you alluded to the fact that there have been some studies showing that men are afraid to mentor women yeah. because they don't want to be alone with them. And you can't really mentor a woman if you can't have dinner with her right. or lunch with her in a public place. So what would your advice be or your hope be in terms of how mentorship changes um, or expands going forward so it doesn't fall prey to those traps and that kind of backlash? Yeah, I think it has to be out in the open. You know, people have to know about it. Maybe people are assigned, uh, so it's not just who you like over, you know, someone else. Uh, but it's got to be uh, um, uh, something that's up out in the open and people aren't afraid uh, to have dinner with a female um, alone. Or, you know, have a, have a group of guys <laughs> and invite some women to the Rose Bowl to see a football game. How about that? I love sports. You know, that was, I never played golf, but I always loved basketball and, and football. And so, you know, a lot of the activities at uh, BET or Viacom were around sports uh, events. So I made sure that the women were invited, that it wasn't just an all boy uh, outing. So, so it just takes more uh, planning and, and, you know, but people shouldn't shy away from it because, you know, you can't be successful if you're not part of the inner circle. It's funny, um, I won't name the company, but at a company I worked at, uh, the, um, we had a, a diversity consultant come in and say, well, there, in most companies there's the inner circle, and it's usually white men. Then there's the outer circle, which is some other white men and then women and people of color. The people on the outer circle have to work harder because they have to do their job, but they also have to prove that they can fit in with the inner circle. So they have to act a certain way or dress a certain way, or you know, they may not be able to be themselves. And in that room, the question was asked, how many of the women felt like they were outsiders? And there were four or five female executives in there at very high level, you know, CFO, general counsel, they all raised their hand and nothing was ever done about it. They all raised their hand and said they felt like outsiders, that even though they had these very powerful positions, that they felt like they weren't in the inner circle of decision-making uh, and power at the company. And what, that's heartbreaking. What is the financial opportunity in changing that? and breaking up the inner circle so it's not so homogeneous? Right, well, the, the, the biggest financial um, um, success that comes out of that is, you know, hopefully getting higher positions, getting a higher salary, getting more stock options uh, or equity or, or being in the room when people decide to start another company, you know, knowing uh, VCs and, and, you know, thinking about uh, starting your own company. There are not, a, not enough women who have done that. You see more of that uh, in the tech space and, and other areas, but uh, we need more of that. And, and you're not, you don't feel confident, confident enough to do that unless you have a sound financial uh, footing at the company you're at. Uh, that's another great thing about boards is you get 
stock options and and equity and you know if the company goes public or if it's not public or if it, the stock goes up it's a way of creating wealth so i think it's all about wealth and jim lowry mentioned that in the black community creating wealth is sometimes seen as a bad word you know and women aren't used to that they're used to making enough and and not asking or rocking the boat and i i love the fact that now women and men are discussing their salaries. That has to be out in the open and women have to know their worth and not be afraid to ask for it because that's the only way you create wealth. And none of us want a salary and then when we pass away, we don't leave our kids anything. We want to create wealth. And that should be the norm with women and with people of color. We shouldn't be afraid of it. So the, we are. The importance of transparency, the importance of mentorship, breaking up that inner circle, right. and what would be, just because we're almost out of time, any other last thoughts on either best practices you've seen at companies that have been able to expand their diversity, um, or things that you, you would like to see other companies do? Well, one thing I would like to see, and I think you started with this, is have more female CEOs. Um, when I became CEO, I, I brought a different perspective to the position. And sometimes I always say this, I used to hate to go to my own staff meetings because it was mostly men. There was a lot of testosterone in the room. They weren't necessarily supportive of me. Uh, I didn't have a lot of people I could trust in the beginning because I inherited a team. But over time, I hired more women. You know, I evened out the room and I gave women more opportunities than they would have had under someone else. So I think the thing I would focus on the most is making sure there are more female CEOs and creating a work environment where female CEOs can be successful. And that means some flexibility if they have kids um, or other interests and not making it so hard for women to break that glass ceiling. We need to break the glass ceiling. That is a perfect note to end on. <laughs> Deborah, thank you so much for talking to us. Thank today. you. Thank you. Really great. Thank you.